Hi, Barbara. Hi, Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) People need to understand the hell we went through yesterday. And so now we're just, we're kind of loopy. A little bit. A little bit. And you sound so much better. Yes. Yes. Hello, everybody. Women on Top podcast. Thank you for listening. Barbara, can I just uh, tell you something? (laughs) Please. Please do. I'm feeling a much, I don't know if you can, do I seem much lighter than I did yesterday? You absolutely do. (laughs) What did I sound like yesterday? Uh, Yesterday, you sounded a combination of distracted and down. So today, the happiness is definitely radiating a little bit more than it was yesterday, for sure. Yeah. Okay. So we'll pull the fourth, we'll pull down the fourth wall a bit. So, um... I was having one of those, oh my God, I think he's lost interest in in me days (laughs) Mm. because we had had a, I hadn't seen him all last week because um, he has custody of his daughter from, you know, one day, this day to the end of the weekend. And, but he always texts me, you know, while he has his daughter and he texts me during the weekend last week, he didn't really text me. And on Saturday, he said um, that he was going to the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And now he's from Ireland. So we're talking like full blow, like this is is a thing for him. So he took his daughter to the parade and he said, I'm going to send you pictures from the parade. And I said, oh, great. And no pictures came in. And so now I'm really starting to get like that pitch in my stomach. And... Um, Sunday text, Hey, how was your day yesterday? And he's, you know, how, how did everything go? And I said, Oh, it was great. We traded a couple of texts and, uh, he said, Oh yeah. And we came back and I made a traditional Irish dinner and I said, Oh, corned beef and cabbage. My aunt used to make that for me when I was little, no response. And so now I'm like, okay, you know, my, you know, how hinky, like how, how I get, you know? About like, even in college, I was like this, I could pick up on the slightest thing, you know, I, and I remember when we had that awful pledge class that pledged right after us. (laughs) Yep. I remember. And I very clearly said, they will be the end of this sorority. And of course, nobody listened to me because I was new and sure as shit, (laughs) they were the worst. (laughs) So I've kind of always been like that where I've really relied on my gut instinct. And what's interesting, as I learned, recently learned in my trauma coaching class, my trauma recovery coaching class, is that survivors of abuse or or survivors of trauma, we are Mm -hmm. more, we are more attuned to our, uh, our environment than, than other people. Well, because we, have we kind of, be. we have to be, yeah. Which means we pay attention and we watch. And you know, I had no idea my mother was dying. I, you know, when my sister put me to di- put me to bed one night, and I said, "Is Mama gonna die?" And my sister flipped. And sure enough, the next morning, my mother was dead. Mm. And it, it, no, no one understood how I knew that, and I knew it just because I could feel the vibe in the house, and I could just yeah, I could feel the somberness in the house, and I knew my mother was sick. Right, but I can feel the somberness. So, when I get those feelings, I tend to really rely on them. And so I was getting well. Those you feelings. have to. You yeah, have to. You especially have to. as a child that survived abuse, because a child needs survival skills. And how we have those survival skills is essentially in-depth reading of the room. Right, because we don't have the parental. We don't have that. You know, we're supposed to be able to rely on our parental figures for protection. And I wasn't able to do that. I don't know what your your situation was, but I wasn't able to do that between my mother being sick and dying and my father just being not wanting to be in the house because my mother died and my sisters just all being very caught up in their own shit. Uh, I really had nobody. I was walking to school by myself at five years old. Yeah, I I wasn't quite that young, but I went to live with um, my father when I was nine, and he was very volatile and 
verbally abusive. And so I, I do understand that feeling of I've got to know the mood. I've got to know the safety yes. of the situation that I'm walking into. So yes. I have to be able to read the room better than anybody else. Right. Here's the caveat. <laughs> <laughs> and there's always a caveat. Yep. My, these instincts of mine tend to be wrong <laughs> with men. <laughs> So, um, or at the very least, when I'm feeling extra vulnerable. Right. And so I think it was just sort of a buildup of vulnerability and insecurity on my end. Mm -hmm. You know, when I didn't hear from him all week, I'm like, oh, okay. And it's also this sense of, okay, this is just how my life goes. You know, once I get comfortable, there's the crash. Right. And I think I'm kind of always waiting for that crash. So, uh, Sunday, Monday night, he sends me a text. Hey, how you doing? How was your Monday? And I said, oh, great. We did, I did this, this, and this. And I said, how was yours? Oh, I did this, this, and this. Uh, he said, but, and here is my gut. Okay. My, like, mm -hmm. my gut is ringing this, the, cl the bells are clanging. And I just said, okay. So I send a text and I said, because it's very odd for him to text that late at night. It was like 10 o'clock. And he, I, so I just replied and I said, so is there something specific you wanted to talk about? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm so fun to date. And he replied back and he said, <laughs> oh. Because what? Because I'm dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so he replied back and goes, oh, I was just texting you to let you know that I have my daughter again this weekend. We had to switch the schedule. So I'm not going to be around um, Thursday to Saturday. And, or I'm going to have her Thursday to Saturday. And I replied back and I said, don't worry about it. Because in my mind, I'm like, he's, he's blowing, he's distancing. He's pumping the brakes. He's distancing. Okay. Detach. And that is my, that's my coping mechanism. Right. You know, when you feel like, oh my God, someone's leaving, uh, you know, I have to detach. Right. You know, and this is this is what happens when you when you grow up with complex trauma, and when when you have you know the abandonment issues because you had parents that weren't where they should have been. So all I said was, "Don't worry about it." Sent the text, <laughs> and weirdly, he didn't respond to that. <laughs> so I I know why wouldn't he do that? So the whole next day, as you know, yesterday where I was just like, I could not figure out anything. You know, not only I had been up since four o'clock to do homework for class, and I was just sort of hazy. Right. And uh, it the thought occurred to me, um, maybe he didn't reply back because that that text came across kind of kind of hostile. <laughs> maybe that little voice in my head is like, maybe you know, I don't know. Don't blame me. So. <laughs> I said, okay. And I'm thinking about this and thinking about this. And the way my brain reacts to stuff like this is detach, detach, detach. Do not right. get any more invested. Take this time now to detach because the pain is coming and it's better if you detach now because then it won't hurt as much. Right. And so the, um, the whole night I'm going to have that thought in my head of, well, maybe he thought you were mad. <laughs> yeah. At the very least, Kurt. It Kurt. And, and over something that I would never, ever, ever want to seem Kurt about because I, I was raised by a single father and I would never date a man who didn't put his children first. And I made that clear right. to him the first, when, when I first met him. So I have no problems with like the schedule switch and things like that. That's stuff like that is what I, I, I think I find most attractive about him is just, he's just so reliable and so honorable and such a good right. dad. Um, so I'm sitting there and of course, you know, I thought, all right, fuck, fuck, fuck. So I call him and he gets on the phone and I said, Hey, it's me. Um, so that text, you know, we were, we were texting last night and then I just didn't hear from you. And he goes, oh, oh yeah. You know, you said uh, not to worry about it. I said, yeah, I just, you know, didn't hear from you. <laughs> and I didn't yell, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, work with me. Please work with me on this. Right. And he said, 
Oh yeah, you know it was. Uh, yeah, he goes. Yeah, that tweet was really um, short. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's a good and way to put it. It was a very good way to put it. And uh, I said, yeah, uh, you know, I just wanted to make sure that you didn't think I was being flip. And he said, well, I wasn't really sure, and I didn't know what to say, and and uh, you know, because I was going to say. Um, you know, I'm not going to be available Thursday to Sunday, Thursday to Sunday, but you know, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday we can get together. I was going to say that. And I said, you know, I I was going to say, I live 20 minutes from your office. You know, um, we can meet for lunch or we can meet for a drink. And he said, yeah, he goes, that's what I was, that's what I was going to say. And, and, And I almost can see a thought bubble above his head. You know, if, you know, if you weren't being such a bitch, (laughs) (laughs) So, um, we made plans for tonight and everything's fine. And I said, uh, I said, so, uh, we handled that pretty well. Right. And he goes, I think we did. No, he said, we did indeed with that cute little accent. And, and it's true. It's, this is what I was saying a few weeks ago of everything's great in the beginning, but there's always that (laughs) moment. There's always going to be that moment. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I can see why, why you'd feel that way. I would have interpreted it. You know, I would have wondered, too, why we didn't get together in the middle of the week if he worked so close. So I'm glad you guys breached that and got it out there. Yeah. You know, and I I think there was just a fear on both of our sides of what do I say? What do we do? And, you know, I don't know. But it was... Well, it's also a man-woman thing, too, right? Because we put so much interpretation into everything that they say. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember when Alex and I were dating... I asked him one Sunday, you know, I don't have plans and you don't have plans. Do you want to get together? And he said, no, thanks. <laughs> and I was like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah. you know, I'm going to hang out and watch bad movies and eat junk food and maybe throw some laundry in. I don't know. And I remember being like, what do you mean? No, thanks. Like that really rude. And so I was very upset by it. And I ended up having to talk to him about it. And he's like, oh my God, I didn't realize you'd take it that way. I genuinely just meant, you know, Hey, thanks for the offer. And I'm like, men are weird. But then say that. (laughs) Yeah, like men are weird. And he's like, I didn't think to expand upon it. I just, you know, you asked. I said no. And I'm like, God, I hate to keep categorizing men because I hate when they do it to women. But at the same time, their lack of being in touch often with their emotional side or with our emotional side, like we perceive too much. They don't perceive enough. Nothing. Nothing. So yeah, that, uh, that worked out and I'm glad. And, uh, I was a little, was a little bummed out that I didn't get the pictures from the St. Patrick's day parade, but whatever. Were uh, you really? You end- um, I, I don't know. I, th- I thought that would have been a cute gesture. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Not a big well, deal. I thought you meant you loved St. Patrick's day or something. Oh, fuck no. <laughs> Cause I no, don't remember no, no. that about you. You t- you don't you don't remember that Jesus no I have no and that's so awful because I'm half Irish, um, and my mother was very very Irish but I mostly identify with my Italian side right um, just because my mother died so young and um, yeah I don't care for it especially here in New York because it's crazy here in New York and oh, I get really? very uncomfortable being around a lot of drinking like that's something i won't do Mm -hmm. you know i dated a guy who was actually like a fairly well-known sociologist i'm not gonna say his name because people know who he is and uh yeah he liked his booze and he liked his pills and i can remember staying over at his apartment one night and woke up it was like 10 30 and he was in the kitchen making himself a drink and i'm like fuck he's an alcoholic And that is, I will never, there's so much, I I had to actually had to do a genealogy chart for class last night. And you have to like note (laughs) addiction, Mm -hmm. alcoholism, abuse, depression, and fuck if my chart wasn't like scratched up with, okay, so uh, five alcoholisms, three pain addictions, two drug addictions, you know, three things of cancer, uh, mother died of 46. And uh, even my teacher was really cool about it. And she said, you know, if there's anything in there that upsets you, that is going to trigger you, you know, please don't feel like you have to do it. So I, but I did it, you know, I, I did three generations. 
Right. And when you look at it that way, <laughs> you're like, no wonder I'm so fucked up. <laughs> well, there's that point scale, right? That any one of these things is worth so many points. Right. On the depression scale. And then when you start looking at yours and you're like, holy shit. This is like <laughs> Mine, because mine would be the same way. It, and if you look at it, it's like this is the SATs of depression, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, how the hell am I going to calculate all this? It's yeah, it's kind of discouraging, but it's illuminating. It is illuminating, and it's people should really, you know, anytime you should always know your family history because doctors are always asking, you know, you know, family, do you have a history of this? Do you have a history of that? You should always ask your parents. And I can remember, mm-hmm. like, always asking my dad, like, like this, that. Do we, you know? dementia, Alzheimer's, because you want to tell the doctor. Right. So, uh, yeah. And these are physical conditions in addition to being psychological conditions. Right. Um, So so we were talking about alcoholism to uh, turn it back. And uh, St. Patrick's Day, I'm sitting here at home and I'm working and I have my window open. And all I hear from the patio down below, like four, four floors down outside, was woohoo, woo! And I am going, okay, I'm going to have to close the window. And I get up and I see four or five women surrounding a long white table and they're playing beer pong. Okay. And my first thought, because and they're all wearing green, and my first thought was, oh, well, they must be, dis- you know, they must have decided to celebrate it like together at home because they don't feel safe in bars. And my second thought was, oh, God, if they do go out, I really hope they stick together. Yeah. Because that's all you think about when and this is this is this is worse than New Year's Eve this day. And here's why. Because the the cops are shit faced, too. Oh, really? Oh, God, yeah. I see them all. Like, when I'm walking up my neighborhood, I could see, you know, policemen hanging outside. And, you know, they're drinking, too. And it just, this is our reality now, right? Where when we go out, we have to, we have to be sure of, we have to know our surroundings. And we have to be able to, um, you know, have someone know where we are and... Like, this is real. This is our reality now. Yeah. Do you think it was always this bad or do you think it's gotten worse? I think it was always this bad. Uh, Nobody ever talked about it or P.S. Nobody cared. Plus, also, we're hearing so much about things happening outside of our region. You know, with the Internet and everything, we hear so many more stories. Like when we were kids, if things didn't happen reasonably locally, Mm -hmm. we didn't really hear as much about them. Right. And now when you start to see these numbers stacking up of women who, you know, were raped or murdered or whatever, it starts or to make you feel like bars. drugged in bars. Yes, absolutely. It starts to make you feel like it's happening all the time, which yep. sadly it kind of is. It kind of is, which yeah. is which is really the reality. And one of the things you and I talked about yesterday is it's it's time for men to speak up. Absolutely. You know, like in a situation like St. Patrick's Day, where you know there's a ton of guys, like there needs to be more men to say, dude, like stop talking to her. Like, dude, you're too drunk. Pull it back. Yes, absolutely. Bystanders have all the power. They really do. Yeah, they really do. And nobody says anything. And a lot of times people don't say anything at all. And it really is about being alert, especially in a situation like that, like at this point now, I really feel like we, meaning women, we kind of all have to be looking out for each other in in, the, mm-hmm. in general, but certainly in those situations, right? Like right, watching the bar. Right, but it's less safe for us to look out for each other than it is for men looking out for us, if that right. makes any sense. And because yes, I, I mean, we talked about this yesterday, when I worked for the University of New Hampshire, we were doing an initiative for bystander education that I was consulting on. And the training for men versus the training for young women was very different mm-hmm. because the young women's training involved, here's how you can intervene, but remember your own safety and how to keep safe and how to not get embroiled in the situation such that you become unsafe. Whereas men, it was it seemed so much more casual. Mm-hmm. It seemed so much easier. It seemed so much just step up and say, hey, guy, not cool. Yeah. Whereas for a woman, it was like, here's the ruse you can put forth yeah. to escape. Just, just tell me you have a boyfriend or just say this. And, you know, like we shouldn't have to say that. We should be able to say no. 
you know, and, and right. what, something else that irritates me is, you know, some women do just say no. And so mm-hmm. a guy will see that or another woman will see that. And they're like, well, she just said, no, what is the big deal? And you have to, re- you have to realize, you know, like situations like with me being, I was raised by a man. So I was raised to be very vocal. We were from, you know, we were from sort of a loud family, mm-hmm. like telling people to fuck off I'm from Boston. I mean, that's our thing, you know? So this is sort of part of like, a, th- th- I, th- I do this naturally, you know, and maybe I'm foolish sometimes. I'm sure I am, but not everybody has that experience. Other people right. have a, the polar opposite experience. So you can't expect because one person does this that like we're not a monolith. We don't all do it, right? You know. So I, I do. I think you know when we go out, we have to be sort of checking. We have to be watching the bar, and we have to be you know when you're in the bathroom and. Because you hear stories. I was just listening. I, I listen to way too many true crime podcasts. <laughs> a ton that I love. And I'm actually going to put a, a few in the post for this uh, in the show notes. Uh, and uh, one of them was talking about how a woman went into um, a bathroom. And she checked all the stalls. And there was nobody there. So she's going to the bathroom. And then suddenly she hears breathing. Oh, no. And then she looks down. And she sees the face of a man looking up under the next stall. Right? Because he must have been standing on the toilet. Oh, my God. You know, like, we constantly have to be thinking three steps ahead. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. So, yeah. I mean, I hope those girls had fun. I hope they were safe. And I don't know. I hope bars are just, I hope, like, are we training bartenders and bar staff managers? Because I work with bars all the time with my company, and some of them are complete douchebags. And, like, I wonder, do you pay attention? You know, do you have extra security on nights like this when everyone's getting hammered? Do you, well, you, you know, do also hear about bars that are trying, I mean, not many, but I've heard of a couple that are trying to put up little signs in the women's room, basically saying, you know, if you're having a problem, tell our bartender you need to meet your friend Karen or something yeah. like they'll put a code phrase in there. Yeah. And then the bartender will know to call you an Uber or whatever it is that you need to do to escape. It just it's so disheartening, mm-hmm. you know, to to look at young girls having fun and and laughing and joking and drinking together and immediately wonder, are they safe? Yeah. That's where we are. Yeah. That's where we are. And and it wasn't even an older woman to younger woman like, oh, younger girls. It was woman to woman because this can happen to anybody at mm-hmm. any age. And just like, oh, just that fear of, oh, God, girls drinking in a bar, huge crowds of men, drunk men. You know, awful. Right. Just an awful thing to. Uh, yeah, I agree. So did you end up going out? We didn't. We, um, despite having the last name Doyle, we we don't really celebrate. Um, we don't really celebrate St. Patrick's Day, and we were kind of recovering from the night before because our eldest son went to the junior prom Yay. with a bunch of friends, which mm-hmm. was really fun. Um, and I love how we were talking about this yesterday. I love how nowadays yes, we we did. We talked about this four times yesterday. We. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about how it's nice that younger the younger generation is more free about going to these things with friends yeah. and not feeling like, oh, I don't have a date, thus I must stay home like a pariah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. they they had a, a good time and um, he went to a little after party, which, you know, left my husband and I staying up late mm-hmm. waiting to see, you know, when he needed to be picked up. And it was kind of funny because we picked him up at one o'clock in the morning. My husband went out and grabbed him and somebody said your dad will pick you up at a party. Your dad's rad. <laughs> it was like, no. okay, I, well, what would you like us to do with him? Leave him there to walk home alone? But apparently, <laughs> what do your parents do? Yeah, I know. Like, how like, you feel? Like, oh, what do your parents do? Like, yeah, Jesus you got to wonder. But it was, it was, you know, we're getting into that territory now where we have to send out to the teen parties and just trust that he's going to make good decisions and, you know, be responsible and be an upstanding dude and, I think that we've raised him well enough that he's able to do that. But, you know, we're talking about these societal situations where, you know, it's he's not easy to talk into things. My younger is a little more 
um, amenable to what other people in the crowd are doing. But you, you got to wonder about these social situations and with alcohol and, you know, potentially drugs and whatever. And it's tough to send your kid out into that world, but he's 17 years old. You know, I've got to start trusting and letting him know, I believe in the young man that you are, you know, don't prove me wrong. Yeah. Don't, don't disappoint me. Right. Um, yeah, that's, I, I feel like high school and prom, that's the beginning of the pressure on women mm-hmm. and men, frankly, because, but for men like prom at our age, it was, oh, you're not going to get laid. Right. For women, it was, you have to go to the prom. You have to go to the prom. You know, we're all Molly, Molly Ringwald making our dresses from curtains and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't go to the prom, you didn't get a date, you were a loser. And there right. was that pressure to, well, I have to have somebody. I have to have somebody. I have to have somebody. And that is ingrained in your head. Yeah. From, 14, from like 15 or 16 years old because of the different proms and the different socials. Right. No, I agree. Awful. You know, and that's that's when it starts, and that's when that message starts in our head. So it's good to hear that schools are putting more focus on, hey, come as groups. You know, I think yeah. that's great. And they have activities now at proms, like video game things and, you know, other stuff to do for those kids specifically who are just with a group of friends who can, you know, hang out and chat or play games or do whatever it is that they want with each other. And then it's not so much a focus on, I never understood the focus of prom being on, you know, the night of ultimate romance. Right. You're fucking 16 16 years years old. 16 and stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. But at least we didn't have all the stuff we did at prom posted on social media. Oh, for fuck's sake. Can you imagine? No. You know, I wouldn't. Worrying about that would have made me insane. Yeah, year about three years ago. Do you remember? Oh, I don't know who he was. He was the chairman at our at Emerson, and he was retiring. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was announced in one of the Emerson Facebook groups. And Ron, Ron something, he was retiring, and they wrote like a hey, you know, we're you know, we're, like honor him and pa 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 pa. He's retiring. And all of a sudden, all the, the comments became filled with RDO brothers. Oh, boy. Who were pissed 40 years later that their non, non-fraternity fraternity was, quote unquote, kicked off campus. Because none of us were really on campus. No. <laughs> we didn't have sororities or fraternities like you typically think of them. Right. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what the full story was, but these these uh, again, finger quoting men were these man children were all upset thirty years later that you know their stupid rapey fraternity, um, I don't know, got in trouble or something, whatever. And being the asshole that I am, I jumped in. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> this is 40 years later or 30 years later, and you bitches are still whining about this. And of course, <laughs> what did they start doing? They started coming after my looks. Oh, so was it a five head? I'm like, I'm, oh my God, you're 50. What are we doing? And that what, what silenced them was, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, I said, you guys, you guys should be thanking your lucky stars that we didn't have social media back when you guys are in school because wow, like the number of rapists in your fraternity silence. (laughs) (laughs) And just like you got, and and it's true. The shit that those guys got away with in college and everybody had a story and nobody did anything about it. And again, you know, nobody did anything about it. Nobody cared. Right. So, but you know, social media has really changed everything. Yeah. And um, I don't know if you caught that thing. I, I know we were going to talk about this, but the Monica Lewinsky thing on last week tonight. With John Oliver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I'm familiar with it, but I did not watch the show. I oh, the, I watched I the show and he talked about public shaming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he talked about public shaming. And it was really, it's really interesting to me how social media, you know, can take social shaming to such an extreme. I mean, he was talking to Monica Lewinsky, did an interview with her where she came off really eloquent and funny and a little self-deprecating and honest. I I think it was a 
wonderful choice for her to do that interview because she was able to let the person she was shine mm-hmm. as opposed to the person that she's been made out to be for decades now. Yeah. And and let's like let's shine a light on a fact that everyone seems to be ignoring. She was like 23 years old. Let's stop right. acting like she was 40 years old. And right. uh, like, look, we all uh, and you know that the people who were shaming her when they were 23 were total fuck ups. It's like, right. dude, I bet if I dug, if I did just a tiny bit of digging, I'd find some shit out about you. And right. Yeah. And Oliver even said, he said, imagine the worst thing you did at 22, not the worst thing you got caught doing, but the worst thing you did right. being out there on social media and you being judged by it for the absolute rest of your life. Right. And how unfortunate that would be. And having your, your she can't work. No, she's, isn't she now leading, she's leading initiatives to stop um, online bullying, actually. And she's acting as a consultant and as public speaker for those events, which I think is, I mean, who else is perfect. better to talk about I think about that's it? perfect. And I think it's great. And I love to see when people turn situations around to their advantage. But up, but before that, like she was just, she tried to design purses. She wrote a book and nobody wanted to give her a chance. Right. And that's interesting, too, because we really are a society of we love second chances, don't we? Like, Felicity Huffman yeah. is going to come back. I'm telling you. Lori Laughlin, I don't know. Felicity Huffman, <laughs> we're going to give her a chance. Oh, she yeah. was just trying to help out her kids. You know, and we're, we love second chances. But for some reason, she would... Monica Lewinsky wasn't granted one and it was because she was a woman and it was mm-hmm. because she slept or what had sexual sexual relations, however Clinton put it, with mm-hmm. a married man. That's what mm-hmm. people didn't like. It's not that he was the president of the United States. It was that he was a married right. man and she was flew around with a married man. Well, Oliver asked her, how is, you know, this impacted you? And and she talked frankly about it. And one of the things she said was that she was sad for the rest of her family about the stigma of her last name. Mm-hmm. And so John Oliver asked her, well, did you ever consider changing your name? And she said, no, because nobody ever asked him to change his. God, what a great nobody response. Nobody asked him to, to reinvent himself. Mm-hmm. But In people fact, were asking me all the yeah. time. He didn't and have so to reinvent true. himself at all. No. You know, at all. And it's only, and and I was reading some form when they were talking about her. And of course it was all men. And they were mm. like, what is that bitch doing here? And why is she, bah, 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 bah. and it's like, well, one, because it's the anniversary of the scandal. And two, because it took 30 years or 20 years for people to actually listen to women. Yeah. Now was the, was the first time she could talk about this without being resoundly and almost universally mocked. Right. You know, because that it's insane how that she was exiled. Yeah. And he's beloved. And you were talking about, yeah, you were talking about her career. Not only could she not get hired by anybody because of her reputation, she said she had to fight off jobs that only wanted to hire her for her reputation, yeah. that only wanted to perpetuate you know, what she was going through as, as for notoriety or for, uh, you know, for people to notice them. Mm-hmm. So it's just, I don't know. It's, she's, the fact that she can be so strong and so brave and, and, but at the same time, so human and witty and, you know, acknowledging I did something that she's like, I'm not proud of the choices that I made at that time, but I shouldn't be held to a standard for the rest of my life because of them. Right. And she's absolutely right. She's absolutely right. And and at the very least, she should be he should be held to the same standards, but of course he wasn't. Right. You know, of course he wasn't. So that's just, I'm glad that, uh, I think she's a great voice for this mm-hmm. movement. It's certainly better than Be Best. And I think that, you know what Be Best is, right? Yes. Okay. I'm trying. So, I try not to be reaction to that. Yeah, we try not he to. Does. Did you hear what Tom Ford said about Melania? It, you know, he's now denying he said it, isn't he? <laughs> no, he said it right. He said it on the View. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said I won't. I won't dress a glorified escort. Wow, well, girl. 
Meow. No, but I think one of the the things that Monica Lewinsky said in her interview that also was important was she was talking to other survivors of public shaming like this. And we're not talking public accountability, like when you call some organization out on the carpet that's, you know, racist or or misogynist or whatever. We're talking public shaming. And she talked about how I want to be the poster child for those people who don't think they can survive it. Because if I could survive this you can survive yours too. And it was really a touching and brave thing to say. Yeah. I think she's great. And I think, you know, it's funny when we we think of the, the younger, the young women that were involved in that story at the time, Clinton, uh, Chelsea Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. And then to see the women that they've grown in grown to be, did you see the clip about with Chelsea Clinton being, harassed by an NYU student at a rally. I read about the day it. after the, the, um, the New Zealand murder, mass murder, the, the composure and the grace. Mm. And you, and I, you see it from both of them, you know, let's, yeah. let's be honest. Like the people who came out of that situation, I think, you know, who really seem to have learned and grown and, you know, made like un- accepted that this is part of my past, but it's, it doesn't define me. Are Chelsea right. and Monica Lewinsky. And I think it's, I, I follow both of them on Twitter and I love both of them. I've heard that Monica Lewinsky is pretty funny. She seems incredibly funny. You know, I like, I wouldn't want to see her host a talk show. Um, but I, I think I would like to see her. I don't know. I don't, I'd, I'd like to see her do something, not stand up comedy, but do something with, you know, maybe with younger kids or even with older people, because older people get shamed too. I'm not talking people in their 60s, but I'm talking like people in their 20s and 30s and, you know, right. walk it through or something to do with internet bullying, you know, yeah. where she moderates something because she's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the other thing is a lot of people comment about the fact that she's not married. Like that, that's the stuff. What? They wouldn't if she was a man. Right. They wouldn't at all if she was a man. And that's kind of a smooth little segue into our, (laughs) into our next topic, Barbara. So Barbara, uh, did you read this article I sent you yesterday? Yes, I did. So I saw this article on Facebook and I'm fairly sure it's called women of a certain age don't have to settle, which makes me want to fucking gouge my eyes out. Um, and it's written by Shannon Cavanaugh. And I, I know, I know this woman and I'm sure at some point I've mocked something she's written. I think well, I'm about to. So, um, it's basically that story that has been told over and over and over and over and over and over and, you know, women are too educated and we're making more too much money and blah, 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 blah. And we don't have to settle now. And right. I, I read this and then I went and read her Facebook page. P.S. Mm-hmm. Loads of fun. <laughs> Lots of stuff there that makes me go, hmm, I think I know why you're single. <laughs> but this is the the article just sort of perpetuated that idea that settling is settling is bad and you shouldn't have to settle. And even in the article, you know, she says she's waiting for that euphoric feeling. And we, we talked about that last week, right? You know, that, that butterflies and that this and that, that and the, and the tension and the, you know, the Zaza zoo, you know, right. she's holding out for something that might not be realistic which is my interpretation of that. Like that's what I don't think it's a case of, um, you know, we settle. I don't think it's a case of, you know, the reason why women don't, aren't uh, the, this sex subsection of women aren't married is because, um, they're just, their standards are that, you know, they're not going to, they refuse to lower their standards. I, I think it's that they're unrealistic and I think a lot of that comes from yeah. these online dating apps where you just, mm-hmm. you get so many matches and emails and this, and you, you overestimate your demand in the market, so to speak. Mm-hmm. 
And so you think, well, I, I can, I can hold out for that. I can. And you know that I'll, and if I don't find him, well, that's fine too. It's like, well, okay, if that's, if that's how you feel, why, why are you writing this essay? (laughs) Right. If that's how you feel, like we both know if you had a choice, you'd choose to find somebody. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't, there's a big difference between being realistic and settling. And I feel like I that's agree. a conversation we don't have enough. I agree. And I think what you said too last week about those feelings of, you know, uncertainty and all of that adding up to butterflies was really relevant. It, it, I don't know what, I don't know what they want and I don't know what they mean by settling not to put them as a they, because I'm sure it varies from person to person, but I don't, when I was reading settling, I was like, what are you talking about exactly? Because she made it clear or seemed to make it clear that it wasn't about looks and it wasn't about age, but what is it about then? Like, what do you want from these men? What do you want them to bring to the table or to give you that will allow them to be considered, I guess is what I'm asking. Yeah, I'm reading this and it says, uh, blah, 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 blah. could this be a matter of supply and demand or as a middle-aged woman, are the odds stacked against me? I, well, yeah, that's part of it. Certainly, you know, when we do events for the 45 plus crowd or the 50 plus crowd, I mean, it's 70% women, 30% men and the women get so frustrated and I try to explain, mm-hmm. you know, this is the ratio. Like this is this is reality, and we we're, we can't really we don't have the means to be able to like fix that, right? And if you go onto a dating site and for like women over fifty, there's probably three of you for every one of them. And that's, why is that? Why is that? Um, because they married younger, or like remarried younger, or. That's what she seems to think is at least part of the problem. Yeah, I think I, I think she's attributing, you know, her situation to she married young and, you know, didn't know what she was getting into and then, you know, had kids and came out of it and, you know, and now, and now it's a different situation for her. So I do think that that, I do think that, uh, you know, older, like not forget too, women outlive men. Yeah. So I think it's a lot of things. I think it's that... Um, you know, once, like if you get divorced in your 30s, let's say your late 30s, dating, you know, mm-hmm. you hit this plateau at like 37 or so. And mm-hmm. then certainly by 40. And that's when, you know, you start really getting avoided and, and ignored. And I see a lot of women still trying to go for those men you know, and, and I don't know if you read the comments on this article. And there's so many women saying, I've been in a relationship with, I usually go for men 10 years younger than me because I look 10 years younger. And, you know, I've been dating one for blah, 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 blah. Or, you know, oh, go younger or do this or do that. And uh, it does. It just makes me so, I just get so angry because. These women, you're not trying to advise her. You're humble bragging. Like, right. Good for you that you can bang some 25-year-old, you know, or, or 30-year-old. Who cares? Like, anybody, any woman could. Um, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of losing my train of thought here because I, I'm getting a little frustrated. <laughs> well, it's a frustrating thing to talk about. It, it is. Um what does she say? Uh, in five years of being an eligible heterosexual bachelorette, I have cultivated many friendships with other middle-aged single women. Many of us are in the same discouraging buffet line, going all going on all the same kinds of dates with all the same kinds of men, and we're looking around at each other wondering how we got here. I'm not the first one to ponder what is more problematic, my standards or men. Okay. First of all, when she does the, it's not just me. Well, right. unless you can, unless you can show us data, don't say stuff like that. Like if you can't back that up, you, you know, don't do the royal we thing. Number one right. and number two, you know, you're all going on the same dates with all the same kinds of men. You know, I, I saw another woman in the comments of the article 
saying something like, oh, you know, and the men I date, you know, they just all seem to be players. And I said, well, first of all, players, the word hasn't been a thing since like 2004. <laughs> Secondly, me bad. I said, they're not players. They're men exercising their options. And there's a difference. Right. And there, therein lies, there's the rub for you. Because you're going for men with a ton of options. Right. And so that guy is not going to settle down. Not right. in any, in, unless he's one of those men that like always has to be in a relationship. And if so, like right. try and get those guys. Uh, like seriously, like look for the guys who are separated on, on dating sites or newly divorced and be like, Boop! maybe like, maybe they're one of those people that just like can't be alone. Um, but if you're constantly going after the guys, like the guys with jobs and the guys with their shit together and the guys who are relatively attractive and in shape, like those are the men you're going after. And those are the men right. that are in high demand. So yes. my suggestion was, why not go for the men that aren't in high demand and see what happens? And oh my God, <laughs> how dare you? You encourage them to settle. How dare you, sir? <laughs> Why would you ever suggest you're 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 asking me to settle? No, no, I'm asking you to broaden, to widen your net, to be more realistic. Mm -hmm. Because the people that want the relationships are the people that are getting rejected, and the people mm -hmm. doing the rejecting. They're the ones who are going to be on these apps over and over and over and over and over mm -hmm. because no one's ever going to be good enough. They way overestimate their, their attractiveness. There's mm -hmm. this false sense of, you know, endless supply. Right. You know, and w w we've really become a society of people who don't know how to communicate, you know, and that was the thing when I called D the other night or last night, and we were talking, like, I could hear him, ner he was nervous, I was nervous. You know why? Mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time I had a conversation on the phone with somebody I didn't know that wasn't, like, a family member. Right. We've, we've lost something. We've forgotten how to, how to interact, how to stay connected. And we abandon things too quickly. And we've lost depth. We you know? really have lost depth. Absolutely. That's what I think, because they're judging everything by these dating sites, and there's no depth there. That's just the surface. And that's why, you know, I was also thinking, this is just a tangent, but do these men also have to compare to your ex and come out more favorably? Do you uh, know what I mean? That's a good point. That's another, that's another thing, too, is not only do these men have to be something you're expecting that you won't settle for less, they also have to compete with your last relationship that fell apart and be better than that person. It just seems like a lot to put on one person. Yeah. You know, I'm scrolling through this article and fucking FYI, Jesus Christ, there's just too much in here. This article is ridiculously long. Um, and it's just a long way to go to say, uh, I'm going to, I'm not going to settle and you shouldn't mm -hmm. either. And, and that's the other thing too. You know, when people tell you, it's like when people say, and when I say people, I'm talking men here as well as women, you know, when you see those people in the comments or on Twitter or whatever, bitching about online dating or bitching about dating, and they say, oh, that doesn't work or blah, 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 blah. Be very clear that consciously or unconsciously, they're trying to prevent you from succeeding where they failed. You know, so when you have this article and she's, you know, she's writing about, let's see, hold on. Let's, okay. Three years ago, I got really excited about a guy who was newly single, a college educated professional with artistic sensibilities. On our first date, we compared our, our time steps in the middle of a posh restaurant. I don't know what that means. That's fucking Fitbit. Is that what that is? It must be, I guess. I don't know. I hate them both already. He studied <laughs> winemaking at a Berkeley extension program, douchebag, and often traveled to Italy, douchebag. 
on our second date, he pulled a massage table from his closet and gave me a sexy rub down I've never forgotten. Fucking douchebag. Come Ooh. on. <laughs> he has a massage table. Now, here's the thing. Remember, unless he's a massage therapist... And it uh, doesn't sound like he is. Uh, oh, no, he was college-educated professional with artistic sensibilities. Now, maybe he was a massage therapist, it, there, it, and she probably doesn't want to say that because she wants him to sound super cool because who the fuck keeps a massage therapy table at, in their apartment? <laughs> right? It's a fair question. Because, and here's the thing. If he's not a massage therapist, who the fuck keeps a massage therapy table in their apartment? It, does he rub his own back? Or does he break it out with the wine and the fucking Barry White music? Hey, girl, with the with the Ryan Gosling, you know, sup? Okay, so right here, you realize she's attracted to douchebags, and that's a there's a problem. Good night, mm-hmm. <laughs> and scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, she's hoping for some rom com. Right. You know? Yeah. She's hoping fucking Matthew McConaughey is going to come out of that closet on the massage table. So she says uh, he was worldly. Oh, whatever. He was worldly, open-minded, and self-aware in many ways. He was also six years my senior. Within a few weeks, I was beginning to get those euphoric feelings again. But after a month, he said no. he no longer wanted to see me because he'd found someone who was a better match and that he wanted to date her exclusively. She was a struggling visual artist, artist, childless, unlike me, and 10 years his junior. When that relationship ended within six months, he tried to rekindle things with me because I was one of the smartest women he'd ever met. He even told me that he was now more open to dating women with children but by then, I was so turned off, I couldn't muster the attraction. Yeah. Here's mm. the thing. He was that douche the, when you met him. The, the, and this is it. Like, you date douchebags. Yeah. You know, the problem, and there's so many factors as to why there, is, why, um, there are more and more women are unmarried. Or more and more men. I don't, I really don't want to make this woman specific. But since this it's a magazine called Dame, I'm going to make it women specific. Um, there are many factors, but one of the big ones is you date douchebags. That's the problem. Right. To reiterate, he had a massage table <laughs> in his closet. It's hard to get behind, isn't it? It's, it's hard to get beyond wicked, that. It's so wicked hard. Wicked hard. Hold on. So what else you say? The same year as the tap dancing masseuse, I'm matched with an educated widowed father of two young kids with a lot of great qualities. On our first date, he confessed that he was actually four years older than his stated age on the app, which was already a a few years older than me. He said he purposely lied about his age because he was having a hard time connecting with younger women whom he preferred. He'd also just gotten out of a tumultuous relationship with a woman more than 10 years his younger. I don't even think that's a sentence, but whatever. He couldn't understand why this was a problem for me. Now, I don't set my... Hold on. Here. Now, I don't set my dating parameters for men more than 10 years older than me because I can't help but feel that my age is objectified. Oh, I see. So she has a reason for it. Right. See what I mean? Oh, no, I so when exactly you do you it, it's justified. Right. <laughs> Many yeah. men seem to like their sweet, sweet and their steak tender, no matter how incompatible with their constitutions. Uh, and oh, she, let me finish that. No, I now I don't set my dating parameters for men more than 10 years older because I can't help but feel that my age is objectified because being objectified is how I got to be single in the first place. Oh, OK. Hmm. Well. So it's that easy? Is that it? So because men objectify women, that's why maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe things went a little deeper than that. Yeah. <laughs> Call me crazy. I just want to know what they mean by that one. I mean, do they mean, is it an age thing? Is it a looks thing? Is it a, well, I guess I don't know what they're expecting from human beings. <laughs> you know, and I, I guess I don't know. Well, settling is... 
Yeah, they they think that you're telling them to aim lower. Well, you're kind of we kind of are. I kind of am saying aim lower, but I'm not saying sacrifice chemistry or attraction right. or sex or financial stability or you know just emotional stability because I can guarantee you in the people that you typically reject you're going to find all that. Right. Exactly. You know and I just I if people were to give stop rejecting everybody. I mean it got to the point for me with online dating that I I was not getting any any messages or any replies to the messages that I was sending. Nobody's replying when we matched. And it's because everybody's rejecting each other. That's the problem because everybody thinks they can do better and they can't. Right. So. But again, what are you looking for anyway? Are you looking for companionship? Are you looking for someone to share things with? Are you looking, or are you looking to be swept off your feet like a rom-com? Right. Are you looking for that wildly inconvenient love that Carrie Bradshaw talked about? (laughs) You know, what are you looking for? You know, are, are you yeah. looking for those, oh, I want the butterflies and I want the great sex. And I don't know, man, I, I'll be really honest. And D, if you're listening, turn it off. Um, I think like, I don't have those butterflies with D. I don't have right. that. But I'll be damned if every moment I spend with him, I don't fully enjoy him. And I don't feel seen right. with him. And that to me, like, that's what lasts. And I'm getting all luxury and I don't mean to do that. And again, I can be fucking dumped in a week. But, you know, I did a lot of things differently here. You know, I waited a month to sleep with him. I went for somebody that, you know, physically wasn't typically my type. Right. Uh, And I don't know. It, It turns out, like, he's my type. You know, well, you got to know his attractiveness right beyond a photo. Yeah, yeah, the little jokes and the this and the he's just he's a good guy, and I think he's very handsome. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) So, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you were to just stop holding out for your ideal, right? And that's not me saying sacrifice the stuff that's important. You know, no, it's it's attraction and sex and all that. That's important. I'm not telling you or it suggesting is. you you sacrifice that. I'm just asking you to re- like reevaluate and recalibrate. Right. You know, really ask yourself what is and it. Also, that- go ahead. It, expand your love language, which I know sounds very woo woo. <laughs> it does, <laughs> but <laughs> but um. I had, you know, one of the things that I know about my marriage is we've had really, you know, we've been married 20 years this fall and I still find my husband attractive and I still think he's a good looking guy. And, and we have, you know, I don't I hope my children never listen to this. We have a, a healthy sex life and, you know, it's, it's wonderful. But at the same time, I've also learned what love language is. And again, I don't mean to sound all new age therapist, but they're not, Sometimes the way they express men, especially express care and express love, isn't the way it is in a rom com. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they express it by listening to you or they express it by doing some sort of service activity for you, meaning like they, you know, will help you fix something or they will, you know, you've got to open your love language to be more than just these passionate declarations. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's more than that. It is. It is not that I have, you know, <laughs> I'm talking like, yeah, I have all this experience and I don't, um, but it, it, it's, uh, it's so much more. I think you o- you open yourself up to more when you open yourself up. Agreed. Right. Agreed. Barbara. Kristen. It's come to that time. Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, and sadness, sadness, sad face. So everybody, womenontoppodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter, women on top pod. Follow us on Instagram, women on top podcast. Uh, read the essays and heart them. 
uh, on our site. We'd love mm-hmm. for you to, to do that. And I'm just going to say, you can follow us on Patreon. We have four Patreon followers now, and I'm very excited. Um, and he actually, mm-hmm. I think I told you this, he took me to dinner last Saturday, a couple weeks ago, because I got my first Patreon. Very cute. And, nice. um, you know, we're, um, I have so many plans for this. Like, I want this to be something that will help get the word out about women's services and women's products and women's issues. And, but more importantly, I want to be able to pay women. You know, I want women to be able to write for the site and get paid. And I want women to do interviews and get paid. And I want to give back and I want to follow, you know, as many other podcasts and support them and especially women of color and people in the LGBTQT community. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, I guess support us. That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Um, and if you have any questions, feel free to submit a question through the site. And if you have any questions with your dating profile or anything, feel free to shoot me an email and, uh, I'll help you out. Thank you so much for listening. We're on, uh, iTunes and Spotify and Spreaker and SoundCloud and all that good stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, It has been a pleasure. Absolutely.